The following is the fourth hand production. During World War II British intelligence officers managed to pull off one of the most successful wartime deceptions ever achieved, they misled the Nazi armies about where the Allies would attack Southern Europe. To carry out the plan, they had to rely on just one special spot. A dead man. It's Operation Men's Meet this week, on Hysteria 51. Shake, I'm disturbed. From city to city, an incredible hysterical panic spread. I think we're getting into a weird area here. Will you tell these fools I'm not crazy? This hysteria. You can't handle the truth. Brain is gone. This is Hysteria 51. The truth is out there. It's a lie. But you won't find it here. They're coming for you. Look, there comes one of them now. Welcome in Hysteria Nation to the podcast. Ray, Ray, I know you listen to the show. You know I'm back. Well, I uh, I, I just thought. No. But I... Uh, nope. It's just that... Uh-uh. Here's the thing. Out of the seat, Ray. Okay, I'll just go back to fucking research. It's a good try, buddy. Welcome in Hysteria Nation to the podcast that's never found a dead body floating in the water, handcuffed to an attache case full of war plans. This is Hysteria 51. Obviously, you don't summer in Nantucket. Uh, and, and you do? I did, in the 40s. Just move on, man. You're, you're feeding into it now. Okay, well. <laughs> broadcasting from the lower fourth dimension, otherwise known as Chicago, I'm your host, John Goforth, and sitting across from me is my co-host and the Neville Chamberlain to my Winston Churchill, Mr. Brent Hayes. No, no, wait a second. I actually take exception to that one. Churchill was a war hero. Chamberlain tried to make friends with Hitler. So, you know. I I mean, it's it's a bit more complicated than that. But I mean, I guess you did kind of get the, the spirit of what I was going for there. How about this? All right. I'm Churchill and you're the dead body in tonight's story. <laughs> a vagrant no one wanted. Put to good use. Technically, all three are dead. So I'm okay with whatever path this goes down. <laughs> that other voice you're hearing is the third host of this show and the only one with an actual toaster for a head. He's the one, the only conspiracy bot. I constantly smell burnt toast. I built C-Bot in my lab to help write and produce a show. Instead, he drinks too much and comes up with inventive ways to mess with us. Inventive, that's that's kind. That might be true, but today I did you meet Sax a favor. I, I don't want to know. No, seriously, you'll like this one. I cooked. Oh, boy. What'd you cook? Meat mince, meat mince. Mince meat, you idiot. I didn't even realize Kyle was here. You, we're here in our second studio, and uh, you don't tell me when you bring him sometimes. Jolly good. He hitches a ride with Seabot sometimes, and I don't even know when he's here. So, Seabot, more importantly, you made mince meat? Well, a mince meat pie to be specific. Here, try some. Kyle helped. Delish, delish. Now you gotta kiss scary cat's cheese muffins. I- <laughs> Color me suspicious, but I don't actually trust this <laughs> at all. <laughs> but I didn't have lunch today, and I'm a fat guy. And I have to admit, it smells pretty good. So let's give it a whirl, I think. And and Brent, to be clear, that filter you added to his subroutine um, last time he poisoned you requires him to tell us if he's actually put poison in something he's given us, right? <laughs> yeah, uh, I haven't tested that in like a year or two. <laughs> <laughs> but why are you taking a bite then? <laughs> all right, for all right. real. I've never had mincemeat pie. I haven't either. I haven't either. Let's and see. it scares the shit out of me because this is beef and fruit in molasses and sugar served at room temperature. 
Um, yeah, I right, mean, so I see some raisins. Raisins in there. and are those, are those apples for real? Those, yeah, I, I think so. And All right. Here's the thing: the raisins I thought were beans. <laughs> Looking at it like beans. I'm sure our international listeners will be like. Oh, that's not at all what's in a mincemeat pie. Um, from what I've read, there are various versions of it. And I'm sure he just picked the first one on Google. Here we go. Mm, it's not bad at all. It reminds me of a really sweet apple pie, you know, at first, like when you put it in your mouth. But it's got that meat taste. When it like, touches your lips. <laughs> it's you know, so good. It kind of reminds me of an extra, extra, extra sweet, like Mongolian beef or... Not that there's an Asian flavor to it, but it's like that's the closest thing you can like, think of. There, are, when you think of it, like orange, chi- not orange chicken, but that's like yeah, that's Asian sweet. dishes that have so much sugar in them. Like that's because because you get the meat and the kind of the savoriness. I get it. I get it. It's like you're eating your dessert and your meal all at the same time. It's it's a time saver, <laughs> and you get your bread in the mm-hmm. in the the pie crust. By the mm. way, Seabot, good pie crust. Yeah, Pillsbury did a good job. <laughs> so. This is extra special, too, because since we're eating, I actually have something for us to wash us down with. A huge shout out, a huge thanks to Glenn Henderson. It's been a long time coming. So remember back when the the Raid Area 51 stuff was going on? Yeah, yeah. Well, Budweiser did a special well, we, edition can. We uh, we were busy at that time. <laughs> we, well, we didn't quite make it there. Uh, but Area 52 was our uh, happening place. So anyway, they did a special edition can out there, and he sent me a whole case for us to drink on the air. You were gone. We're just now getting to it. And what a better time than wash down men's. And also last week, it's curly whirly marathon bars. This week it's men's meat. I think the next time we record quarter at our, at my house, I don't know what I'm supposed to make. <laughs> do we need to, uh, do we need a spinoff uh, food podcast? Yeah. Right. <laughs> Rat or fat. <laughs> <laughs> Right, Actually, for- it'd have to be international foods because so far we're two for two on right, international. Right. All right. Here we go. Cracking the first one open. It's Bud Light. <laughs> that it is. Oh, it's delicious. So here's the thing. I think we should leave the rest of them unopened because, frankly, Bud Light is better seen, not drank. Yeah, but that's all I brought. So we're probably going to drink a lot of these. <laughs> that's, that's a valid point. I don't know what else I have in the fridge. All right. All right, Bud Light it is. Uh, but so we got mincemeat pie in our belly. We got a bunch of of uh, I'm alien actually, Bud Lights. I'm gonna finish that come break time because I actually kind of like it. I'm not gonna. I, I like it. I like. I just hope Seabot didn't do anything to it. Uh, yeah, we got Bud Lights to go, and we're here talking about how did one dead dude in James Bond change the course of the war? World War Two. Yeah, yeah. And the answer. Is Operation Mincemeat. They've all seen Weekend at Bernie's. Not that, you dumbass. <laughs> I'm working on the sequel, Weekend at Meredith Baxter Bernie's. That's, no. No, no, it's no, you're not. It's not a lifetime original. And it's not. That's not. <laughs> you can't fault a guy for having good taste. You know, <laughs> right now, he's feeding me. You know, he's on point with his jokes. I'm okay with it. <laughs> he's like inched above me in, right. your, in, your, uh, in your stack ranking. Right. So picture this, though. We're talking about Operation Mincemeat. It's the morning hours of April 30th, 1943. It was a good year. <laughs> yeah. You weren't there. Well, uh, you, you just a lot of rain you, that year, buddy. You were in Nantucket. <laughs> so off the coast of Spain, a dude is out fishing for sardines, as one is to do off the coast of Spain, when he spots something no one wants to find floating in the ocean. Sally Struthers skinny dipping? <laughs> no, no. And that is really, really specific. She was working on one of her new correspondence schools, <laughs> classes. 
What would that have to do with skinny dipping and a bunch of sardines? Hey, TV VCR repair is changing for the new ages. <laughs> you know? So, but for real, though, he goes, sees what it is, and it's a dead body. He just finds a, a dead body. Weak. I find bodies all the time. No big deal. Well, this wasn't just a dead body. It was a British soldier. You can tell because he's floating there in his full uniform. Captain and acting major William Martin, to be specific, he found floating or so everyone assumed. And why do we know this and who he was? Because he had his military briefcase chained to him. Excuse me. Uh, You heard me in the beginning. That's an attache. Oh, I'm sorry. Or an attache case. An attache case, which is much more easily chained to oneself than a briefcase. Exactly. I'm glad you realized that. Yeah. And so he's got that changed to him as they were to do when they travel at that time. And it had all of his effects in it. Now, the fishermen didn't go through the belongings, but the body is taken and given to the Spanish military. And now remember, if you're looking it's- back on World War II, Spain, the Spanish government was neutral in the war. So, of course, they gave the body a proper burial with full military honors. And that part is actually That's true. That's true. Yeah. So let's go back to the, the the sea captain for a second or the fisherman or whatever you want to call him. He's out there looking for sardines. He finds a dead body. Sea captain. Like, I, Are you I, ready, kids? Hi, <laughs> <laughs> hi, captain. He's, he's, he's got a patch. Uh, I don't know if I could be the relied upon. The water out in the sea. Captain Antic Major Martin. <laughs> it's spongy and porous and yellow. I don't know. Captain Martin. <laughs> Bulbous. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, um, as in the gases are trying to escape mm-hmm, his body. Mm-hmm. Um, here's what, I don't know that I could be relied upon to see a dead, floating, gross, decomposed body. Yeah, sure. I'm going to bring that into the in, into the small ass boat I'm in. Well, do you do that, or do you just start like poking it with your oar to get it to float back to the? the no, shore? the story. The story is he he took it into the boat. No, you. Oh, me. You like? Do you? I mean, I get that, but I would still probably not be like. <laughs> you think, I didn't see nothing. You think the whole time I'd just be like, all right, another few feet with yeah. this oar. Here we go, <laughs> pokey, pokey. I mean, if I see a dead body, I am going to poke it with a stick. Period. Like that's just a full stop right there. And then if it's an what if you don't have a stick? I have an oar. I always, you know, I always carry a poking stick. (laughs) (laughs) No bug out bag. Spectacles, testicles, wallets, and watch, and poking stick. That's right. So we told you they 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 buried him there. They they gave him a full military burial, and they returned all of his stuff to London promptly on May eleventh being the good and neutral country that they were. Now, there's a lot of time between. I feel like you're implying a few things there. <sighs> Maybe they weren't good and neutral in World War II, as, as, you're, imp- as you're saying. The end. Yeah, that's it. That's why we're talking. This is a short one this week. Thanks for the, thanks for the pie. <laughs> On Historia 51. Wait, now, how is that the end? Because we said, though, John, we said it changed the course of the war. Glad no one asked. <laughs> That's coming up next on Historia 51. Get into that pie. Floater. Feel a little queasy. <laughs> Hola, David. Me amo Brent. Bonjour, uh, Brent. Je m'appelle David. You didn't do Spanish. I thought if we were going to do this together, we'd do the same language. Oh, sorry. <laughs> that's uh, That's on brand for us. 
I, that, I I just thought romance languages was yeah. the key. Everything I say is romantic, and that is thanks to Rosetta Stone. <laughs> you guys, we, we've been touting these things forever. We love Rosetta Stone, and we actually are users. David, you've really been using it even for longer than I. What's your experience been like? Oh, it's been great. The thing is, uh, you really get to learn how to speak and think in that language with it, so... It's very high on pronunciation, too, so <laughs> you can, you know, learn how to speak. And, you know, our show is all about proper pronunciation. <laughs> In that pronunciation. Yeah, that's right. But it's it, they design it for long-term retention, you know. It, and, yeah. Uh, if you don't get the pronunciation right, you, you say it until you do, and then, you know, that, that just seeps into your head. Well, and that's why, you know, this has been trusted by experts for 30 years, and there's over 25 different languages that you can learn and people, millions and millions of users use it because like you said, it does seep in and you're using it with, you know, you get speech recognition and mm-hmm. it, it hears you. You get to use like the built-in true accent features that gives you this pronunciation, which is super convenient and you can do it at your own time. And I don't know if you can know this, but I'm all about value and you get a one-time purchase, 25 languages. If I learned all 25 languages, I'd be so confused. Or really cool. <laughs> I have to go in and out. But you'd be real marketable. But literally, though, this is something that we use, and we have both of us have given the seal of approval because we want to do this long term, and uh, it's something that uh, it works, you know. And we don't yeah. we don't do long term um, stuff like this, and this is this is the one that we've chosen, and we love it. So, all you guys got to do don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now, as we've told you a thousand times, and it's always now, right now. Get now. started. For Larry, limited time, his Air 51 listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. How much? 50%. Visit rosettastone.com slash today. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your unnatural life. Wow. Redeem, redeem, redeem. How do they do it? Rashate, you're oh. 50% off. <laughs> Rashate. <laughs> redeem it. 50% off rosettastone.com slash today. Do it today. After years of fine print contracts and getting ripped off by overpriced wireless providers, if we've learned anything, it's that there's always a catch. So when Brent and I heard that for a limited time, all Mint Mobile wireless plans are $15 a month when you purchase a three-month plan, we thought, man, what's the catch? But after talking to them, it all made sense. There isn't one. Mint Mobile's secret sauce is that they sell wireless service online. They cut out the cost of retail stores and pass those sweet savings directly to you. Brent is trying to plan right now and says that it works like a charm from Chicago to Nashville as he makes his big old move. Mint Mobile is working for him. All plans come with high-speed data and unlimited talk and text delivered on the nation's largest 5G network, And you can use your own phone with any Mint Mobile plan and bring your phone number along with all your existing contacts. So ditch the overpriced wireless with Mint Mobile's limited time deal and get three months of premium wireless service for 15 bucks a month. To get this new customer offer and your new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month, go to mintmobile.com slash hysteria. That's mintmobile, M-I-N-T-M-O-B-I-L-E dot com slash hysteria, H-Y-S-T-E-R-I-A. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash hysteria. 
$45 upfront payment required. New customers on first three-month plan only. Speed slower above 40 gigabytes on unlimited plan. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. You know, just randomly banging it. Seabot, Kyle, I have to admit, this pie is pretty good. I, I didn't want to admit it, and I was kind of scared to try it. We're both eating it slower than we've ever eaten anything in our lives, but it is good. Yeah, I, I still don't. I, I'm still not dizzy, uh, which is a plus. Also, um, one thing I was thinking about during the break, as we were asking about the recipe, Kyle, you said scary cats. Um, could you elaborate on that? It's better if I don't. <laughs> the implication being that, that perhaps that's not beef in the pie. Piss off and eat it. <laughs> I don't think he knows what implication means anyway. Yeah, it's true. All right, <laughs> I'm done eating. Uh, let's get back to the story, Brent. John Moore's hell. It is. It is. And winning them takes a lot of things. And one of the most important things is brains, uh, yeah. cunning, well, guile. Unless you're Russia, it's just millions of bodies to throw that's at That's true. That's true. But you, you certainly, cunning and guile go a long way. Yeah, I know I you prefer, prefer Blanca. Oh, oh, you were on. Oh, oh, yeah. Same joke. Same joke. <laughs> All right. Um, anyway, World War II is raging, and the Allies, the good guys, if you were keeping score at home, are hard up for a win and are, 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 are looking to scheme. Yeah, yeah. The, as one is to do at wartime. So Winston Churchill decides he's going to move troops up from Africa and attack Europe from the bottom up. And that means they need to come in through the water and the south. When you're coming in through there, you kind of get bottlenecked. And the problem is Sicily is right there and Germany holds it. And not only does Germany hold it, they got a hell of a lot of people there. So how do you do that? And plus, Germany expects that that's going to happen. So they start stacking men there like some sort of bastard cousin who comes over to play risk. <laughs> Because he's older and better than you. You know, you're like, I think you're doing something here, Chad. It's funny that uh, uh, I actually played with my older and and much angrier next door neighbor, but we played Axis and Allies. Oh, really? Uh, which was kind of a risk type of game. Um, uh, Afri- I figured you are going to say you played Who's in My Mouth, but you know, whatever. Oh, that, that was you. Um, I called it with you, too. <laughs> I mean, you played that with what? other people. <laughs> That went the wrong way. <laughs> no. Uh, yeah. So luckily, <laughs> so you're, they, trying to, you're, you're trying to figure out what to do. At yeah. Said time. And so they have a conference. Mm-hmm. They call it the Casablanca conference. It's in 1943. It was and, on uh, a big old hill. <laughs> of beans. Of beans. I knew. You which look that. like raisins when they're in a mincemeat pie. And and they, they come up with their 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 idea. They're, they're going to target Sicily. So back toward Italy and it'll help them step on Mussolini's neck and, you know, go from there into Europe. You said backdoor. Yes. Yes, I did. And the due date for this backdoor plan, Seabot, it's July of the same year. So they met in January, and they're supposed to figure all this out by July. Yeah, yeah. So you're going to get to town. Churchill is quoted as saying bonus points if you use a cadaver. Be a lot cooler if he did. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I'm going to give him that one. See, if they have Sicily, it opens up waterways, like we said, and they can hit the land from the south. They're not going to get just decimated trying to come in. But like we said, the Germans knew that, and they're ready on Sicily and all around there. So what they need is a diversion. Not easy to, to have happen at that time, especially when men and resources are very scarce. They need to throw the Germans off completely so they can make this move. Right. It's like when you're trying to get the steak out of the uh, off the grill, you throw the ball so your dog goes in the other direction. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. They needed to throw a ball towards somewhere else yeah. uh, so that they would, the dog, meaning the army, would move mm-hmm. off of Sicily. Enter the 20 committee, the XX committee, or the double cross system. See, XX, uh, double cross, 20, yeah, get yeah, it. Yeah. Uh-huh. So what it was was this counter espionage and spy ring from the British people. That was literally what they're set up to do. And two men were picked to head up this team to plan this attack. Lieutenant Commander Ewan Montague and Flight Lieutenant Charles Shamandale. That just rolls off the tongue. Shamandale. Is that like chameleon air? Yes, exactly. Okay, thank you. So they get to work, Brent, and it doesn't take long until they get an idea. So luckily, they they had some stuff laying around. They're trying to read. They had a book. Yeah, they got. Uh, uh, they, uh, 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 it was called the Trout Memo. Yeah, it's from 1939. It's a document, and it goes over ways your enemies could be lured in, like trout, throwing them off with deception. Lies make everything better in war. It's kind true. of, yeah. And this was there was an entry. There was an entry in this book called a suggestion. It was entry number twenty-eight, and advised to plant documents on a dead body and have it found by said enemy. But then those said documents, a lot of said there, throw them off of the real plan. Boom, spy graph, baby. <laughs> yeah, it was kind of like a Reader's Digest version of how to screw over your enemy. I mean, it's a really damn good idea. Now, the author of that Trump memo. We'll get to that later, but that's kind of an important. Or Ooh, you're going to leave key. them hanging? Ooh, it's like a dangling participle in said memo. Don't say that ever again. <laughs> so they need a body. They need fake documents. They need a backstory and, and cover uh, for the for the body. Right. Um, a way to get the body to where they want it to be discovered. The right people to find the body and then have them have no suspicion at all. So they will take the fake documents and the body to the bad guys. It's almost too easy. Exactly. You're right. Uh, John, it's break time again. But when we come back. That's a pretty quick break. Are you going to have more pie? I am. I'm hungry. Okay, fair enough. Let's get a body. How did this go down? If I had a nickel. Yeah. And what was the real outcome? Oh, yeah. Oh, and who wrote that trial memo? Because that's kind of important. That's next on Hysteria 51. Nation, we want pictures of your dogs. That's just a personal request from me, but while you look for a good one, let me tell you about something near and dear to mine, Brent's hearts. Your dog's health. You may have noticed lots of dogs suffering from health issues these days. Joints, odors, it's not good. Actress Katherine Heigl noticed these issues too, and after a ton of research, there was one place she found we can look to support any dog's health. Their food. So she created Superfood Complete, food for your four-legged friend that's made with over 30 of the healthiest ingredients on the planet, including several superfoods vital to your dog's health. Her company, Badlands Ranch, also supports the Jason Debus Heigl Foundation, which has helped rescue thousands of dogs and place them in loving homes. Now, I know Brent has used Superfood Complete with his lovable meatballs, and they absolutely love it. He said it's easy to prepare, both his guys grow crazy for it, and he loves knowing what he's giving them is healthy and full of ingredients that are actually beneficial to his little rapscallions. You can try it for yourself by going to BadlandsRanch.com slash hysteria and order right now to get up to 50% off your regular priced order with a 90-day money-back guarantee. If you want your dog to experience all these incredible things, go to B-A-D-L-A-N-D-S-Ranch.com slash hysteria today. For 
and twenty blackbirds baked in a pie. Oh no, I like ravens and and crows. I don't think you apparently do you like mince meat pie too. Uh, how about that, John? We got a plan. Well, they had a plan. They did. They did. Now they just need a body. I can get you a body by three. Calm down, Walter. <laughs> the, but not, it, it can't just be anybody. I mean, eight, it, eight it, year olds, Donnie. <laughs> eight year olds, dude. Eight year olds. But it needs it. It needs to pass inspection, as it were, because the thing is, if you want people to believe that this was a a soldier who died in combat or a soldier who you know uh, crashed or, or whatever. Uh, it can't look like it's been dead for months and months and months. Right. And yeah, like you said, it's going to need to pass this autopsy. And not at the least, if they return it to Britain, they need to know if they went through the stuff or not. And if the plan is actually working, if they if get they it went back. Through, if they went through the, the documents. Right, right. Right. Because that whole point of planning the shit on them is to throw them off the case. Right. The, the whole point of this is so that they will take those documents and think that they've got a major break in the espionage game. Right. So step one. That body, our heroes in this story, Montague and Shimondale, they call in a pathologist to figure out what kind of body would work. And this cat, Sir Bernard Spilsbury, is the guy they tapped. He was really smart. And he was also like, dudes, chill out a little bit because you're putting way too much worry into this whole right thing. like their big thing when they approach them like like listen we know we know we're gonna have to fill up the lungs with water somehow right because they they realize that they got to get this body in the hands of the spanish government and like we said fool their pathologists so they assumed they needed this corpse with water in its lungs like it had drowned or, or whatever uh because it's, it's going into the water in a plane and he's like tisk tisk not so fast he said peeps who die in aircraft crashes in the water often just die from the shock of hitting the water the crash itself not drowning and the lungs would not necessarily be filled with seawater but and he added a quote this is from deathly deception the real story of operation mincemeat actually a lot of the the information i got comes from this book it's a fantastic book that dives into this spaniards he said as roman catholics were adverse to postmortems and did not hold them unless the cause of death was of great importance. Boom. You got a floater. No need to carve it up with the whole looking at it like it's a dead body. Which actually opened up their possibilities a little bit more mm-hmm. as to what body they could use. Right. He, he said that a person could have suffered one of m- dozens, many ways cause of death that would be misconstrued in an autopsy, meaning you don't have to put so much care into this. The dude died. Right. And if a postmortem examination was made by someone who had formed this, like those guys, preconceived notion that this dude had drowned, well, this dude's been decomposing for a while. His lungs fill with that kind of fluid. It's going to throw him off. They're not going to know the difference between that and the fluid that comes, you know, water. A taste test would say you're wrong. That's no. Oh, I'm glad done I, eating. I'm glad. Yeah, I'm glad I'm done eating. <laughs> So what's it mean, John? Well, not only would they have a better chance of fooling them than they thought they would originally, but that there would be a large number of corpses potentially available for selection. Like I was saying, they, they're, they're not as limited to, well, we need to find one that died in a plane crash that doesn't have any family. Now that opened up a whole nother kind of can of worms for him, because how do you get a body? Well, you can't go and get another soldier because the families want it. Things like that. You're not going to break or they're not going to break wartime treaties and 
use a POW or something like that. So you need a body with no loose ends, meaning there's no family no ties, for it. No yeah. family, no friends. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Relatives. That narrows that aspect of it down. And bodies are accounted for. People always go after them. Amen. <laughs> I don't even know what that means. But sometimes you get lucky and you find one. Enter one Glender Michael. Yeah, I believe that's how you say Blender it. My, there's a there's an Aaron W in there, an Aaron yeah, and a, 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 a stranged, stranged, a dangling W. <laughs> Regardless of how you pronounce it, we found a body uh, on Pro- Jan- probably Michael. They don't have that a hundred percent. That's a little conjecture there, but there is right. Most there are, people say that it was. Him. That's right. I mean, we actually thought about doing an episode that was completely based on who actually was. Major Martin, but as we did our research, we found that most experts, and I, I think I, I'm pretty confident in saying experts, there is like a strong book. Like a few years later, it's like that's horseshit. But most people just go no, <laughs> right? Yeah, most people say it's this guy. Yeah. So we're gonna we're just gonna operate under that assumption, and and who knows? Maybe maybe a year from now we'll do another episode on on where where we're right. Wrong. So on January 28th of 43, Montague gets a call and says, "Hey, well, by that time it was probably like a telegram or some shit. I don't know." They're at war. They had phones. I know they had phones. Anyway, they're like, hey, we got a suitable body. Uh, we're ready to go. A homeless man died. Hey, can you look up Sheffield 249? <laughs> Sheffield 249. <laughs> it's ring, ring, pause ring, right? That's what I answer. Uh, a homeless man died from eating rat poison, as you do, that contained phosphorus. Everyone needs a hobby. Why was he eating I'm rat really poison? I'm really hoping that there wasn't phosphorus in what we just ate. <laughs> You can't get good phosphorus anymore. (laughs) (laughs) But the the interesting thing, Brent, is they said that such a small amount of the poison, it's funny they say small and that it killed him, uh, would not not be enough in his system to identify that he died that way. Right. And uh, those Spaniards, as they like to call them, probably aren't going to do an autopsy and check that stuff anyway because they're they're a cowardly and... and, and, uh, in superstitious law. Well, and this is we'll get to this later, but you know, we mentioned that his effects were inside of the briefcase. They gave him they gave him a a uh yeah. a, a Catholic um what's it called? Accoutrement. Uh, I forget. <laughs> a Catholic charm of some type. Yeah. Anyway, um we'll get to it later where I actually have it written down. <laughs> it uh it was just because a a Roman Catholic would be even less likely I'm a Roman Catholic. I've been one since before I was born. Sorry, Monty Python. <laughs> um, it would be even less likely to uh, to cut up another Roman Catholic, right? Right, because it was against their 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 religion. So they they have their body. The, the one problem with it is that the malnourished corpse didn't look like a you know a fit field officer. Yeah, but they're like, calm down, dude. I, I love the pathologists and all these people. It's like. Dude, shut the fuck up. This guy would have been a desk jockey. That's why we're giving him captain acting major. So he's probably going to be a slim little dude. He had flat feet. He couldn't go into the field. I don't know. So Montague looked back at the uh, pathologist and said, you son of a bitch, I'm in. (laughs) And then the corpse said, you son of a bitch, I'm in. And everyone (laughs) lost their shit. Now, so he he looks like an officer that's behind a desk. So they agreed to keep this body in the mortuary refrigerator at a temperature of 39 degrees Fahrenheit. Now, since this is happening over there, we'll go ahead and say that was four degrees Celsius. Any colder though, and the body would freeze and that would show they would know 
This body's been frozen. And everyone knows frozen meat never tastes as good as fresh meat. I mean, that is true. But who's going to be tasting I'm, this? Don't get so caught up in the details. <laughs> uh, so they were also told that the body had to be used within three months. After that, it's going to be so decomposed that it's going to be useless. It's going to be as soon as they throw in the water, a pile of mush. slop around yeah, yeah, yeah. and everything. So it's time to get to work on a backstory and planted evidence on this guy and get him in the drink, so to speak. They come up with his name and rank, and like John, you just said, it was Captain Acting Major William Martin. That's something that happens a lot in wartime and stuff like that. You get a uh, promotion just on the fly. It's so specific. Until you're dead or I find someone better. It's like at the beginning of uh, Saving Private Ryan. Private, who's in charge? You are, sir. (laughs) (laughs) That's when you know things aren't going well. Yeah, so he's uh, Captain Acting Major William Martin of the Royal Marines assigned to Combined Operations Headquarters. And the name Martin, this is kind of smart, it was picked because there were tons of Martins within that rank in the Royal Marines. So if they're like, yeah, I, I remember a Martin, if someone It's funny, knew. actually, there were tons of William Martins. It was that Literally, specific. I looked, and they there was like 10 or better in that one place. Not just, not just in the British military, mm-hmm. but specifically At Captain the- Acting Majors yes. named William Martin. So people are going to be like, yeah, that rings a bell. Yeah, yeah I, I know right, right, guy. right. But yeah. they, they weren't they weren't going to stop there. Uh, they went ahead and built an entire backstory of his life. It almost felt like when I, as I was reading about this, it almost felt like uh, whoever was in charge of the story was had been like an aspiring writer yeah. and 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 duty called or, or they just weren't that good. And they're like, I'm going to flex those muscles another right. way. Well, and the other thing, too, is they, they gave him this acting major role. That way he would. Be, he'd be in charge of these papers and documents and, and, and things like that, but he's not a colonel or, or general or something like that to where you would know their name or something like that. So, right, so that he would have access to these papers, yeah. but not necessarily have been important enough that they would know who he was. Now, this is the fun part. This is the spycraft part. It's time to make them seem real because they're, they, they're not just going to throw them out there. It's time for what spies call pocket litter or wallet litter. Not to be confused with pocket sand. Thanks, Dale. Pocket sand. <laughs> Remember that? Uh, <laughs> pocket sand. Pocket litter is the shit you carry around on you normally. Like right now, you probably got shit, you know, well, you're in, uh, you know, you're at home. So probably less like me. I've got stuff, you know, so it's the stuff you have on your body. Spectacles, testicles, wallet, and watch. You're exactly second right. Second time. So they will plan it on a body and make it seem like and it's poking a real stick. person. And did, a he have a, did he have a poking stick? It floated away. Oh, okay. They added a lot of accoutrement to this guy. So the the stuff that they added included a photograph of an invented fiance named Pam. And get this, they actually took a, a picture of a woman named Jean Leslie. Yeah, yeah. The reason they went with Pam, it turns out she was actually the secretary at a local paper company. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so, uh, you know, but it, it actually was uh, an was, MI5 yeah, clerk. yeah. Um, and by the way, we mentioned we mentioned the twenty committee earlier. That was kind of like the private name that was part of uh, MI five, which right. was which was kind of the, the, it was just their counter terrorists, right? Uh, uh, their CIA kind yeah, of yeah, their 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 deep dive stuff. Two letters from Pam were written to him. Also, a receipt for a diamond engagement ring for Pam. Oh, that's so sad. Also, a bunch of other stuff. A letter from his father, fictitious, described as pompous and pedantic as only an Edwardian father would be. Because, you know, the Spaniards would pick up on that nuance. Right. A note from the family solicitor. A bank overdraft notice. That's actually really smart. (laughs) 
a book of stamps, silver cross of a St. Christopher's medallion. That I, means I'm a Roman Catholic. Don't chop me up. That was what I meant earlier. Obviously, I'm mm-hmm. not a Roman Catholic. Cigarettes, matches, a pencil stub, which they'd always have because they're writing all the time. Keys, a receipt for a new shirt. And the reason we are talking about these keys and letters and everything is it provides a, a timeline for when Martin had been in London, showing that he was there and probably traveling over, including ticket subs from a, a theater, a bill for four nights lodging at the Naval and Military Club. Those are all added. And an itinerary of the activities in London, like I said, it fills in from the 18th to the 24th, right before he's found on the 30th. So it makes total sense. And guess what? He's slopping around. He does. He looks like he's been in the water for a while because he's a dead body. That's been he's a dead, dead body. It's been in the water for a while. Oh, oh, and finally, what's the last piece they added? An ID card. Uh, but they they couldn't take a picture of a dead body. They for the tried. ID card. They actually tried, and it looked like a dead fucking body. <laughs> so they found a guy. Him, they found a guy named Ronnie Reed in the MI5 to stand in as kind of like look alike. But I, w- I want to talk about all of this for a second. It just took us longer to read the list of personal effects he had with them than it took us to do the entire first segment of this episode. <laughs> I wasn't that kind of overkill. This is going back to our writer friend who's like, all right. And he also had a silver cross. Why do you him. think they have he so also many... had a, a ticket stub? No, why? Yeah, why yeah, do you that think makes they have sense? so many pockets on military pants? <laughs> just for all the shit, <laughs> all your shit. <laughs> You know, I just feels like a lot of stuff to be carrying. And who carries that many receipts with them? Well, he had an attache case. Well, it was in there. But who like I have a new shirt that I'm wearing. Uh, Our buddy Brandon. Let's keep our buddy Brandon would carry so many receipts. He couldn't sit on his wallet. He would carry his wallet and sit it on the table. He had like a George wallet. Yes. He got so big. He couldn't even sit on it. And I'm like, what are you doing? And he would be like, well, I have all my receipts. Why? Why, for God's sake? And, you know, half of them are heat paper, so they're they're, they're, <laughs> they're just, just black. It, yeah, yeah, there's nothing on there. I mean, I mean a bank overdraft notice, again, uh, why would you carry it with you? Because I think at that time, maybe he, uh, he's traveling with almost everything he has, probably, so it's all in his attache case. Along with the plans of the war. Right, as you as you uh, Of course, you, uh, uh, oh, here, here are the plans for the war, sir. Oh, wait, sorry. <laughs> That's a pompous and pedantic letter from my Edwardian father. <laughs> sorry, my bad. And I love this little tidbit they talked about. They wanted to make sure that all this was readable, but it had to be in water. So MI5 scientists took every brand of pen available and paper and found what would work the best that he could have used and said, here you go. Here's a list of these will work for you. And that's what they use. So they could be in the water and still completely readable. And the last thing they did was on top of in inside of the, the envelope that the war plans were housed in. Mm-hmm. They put an eyelash, right? A black eyelash. So they knew if that eyelash was gone, it had been opened and rifled through. Yeah. If the eyelash was still there, one could assume that they actually got the body returned to them. I just like thinking of like some either Spanish or Nazis having a tea kettle, <laughs> open the pa- holding the, the envelope over top of it. <laughs> open, you bastard! You know. <laughs> so, oh, I see they did. I see they did the old eyelash yeah, trick, right? I don't know so, why I sounded Russian there, but you get the point. So I know earlier Seabot gave us a, a fake quote from Churchill, but here's a real one. They came up with this crazy plan first off, and they ran it by Churchill. Then the following happened, according to the book, Operation Mincemeat, the true story that changed the course of the war. What did he say, John? Directly from the book. 
Churchill took much interest in this scheme, so much so that Bevan felt obliged to warn him that it could go spectacularly wrong. I pointed out that there was, of course, a chance that the plan might miscarry and that we would be found out. Furthermore, that the body might never get washed up. The Spaniards might hand it over to the local British authority without having taken the crucial papers. The Prime Minister's response was characteristically pithy. In that case, we shall have to get the body back and give it another swim. Yeah. That was my uh, American Churchill. That's exactly how he sounded. He then took a swig of brandy, chomped down on his cigar, and shit himself. That he's famous That's probably true. That's probably true. Yeah. (laughs) All now, right, so they got they have the plan, Brent. Yeah, they got to pull it off. Yep. So on April seventeenth, you 43, son of a bitch, I'm in. <laughs> the corpse was dressed as Martin, and the pocket pocket sand, the pocket litter was placed in the body, and the briefcase was attached. <clears throat> the the <clears throat> attaché case. Thank you. Was Thank you. attached to him by a chain, and the body was placed in a canister. And this is really smart. It was filled with twenty one pounds of dry ice, and then they sealed up. The dry ice is going to melt, but it's going to fill the canister with carbon dioxide, and that's going to drive out all the oxygen. Yahtzee, man, the body isn't going to decompose at all, and it doesn't need refrigeration. Right, because it's not being exposed to oxygen. Though one must wonder how they came up with the exact number of 21 pounds. Was it like that's all they had on, or, or, or did they have like two scientists sit down for a day and figure it all out? There happened to be a robot around at the time who knew that off the top of his toaster and informed them. <laughs> You know, I wonder, we're talking about the 40s. I wonder if you'd pass the Turing test, Seabot. I got an A+. Plus. <laughs> oh, Lord. All right. So then the, uh, the canister is placed in a 1937 Fordson van and MI5 driver St. John Jacques Horsfall, who had been a racing champion. Well, he's not champion. fucking French. Why did you do that? Jack Jacques. He's not French. He's jock. He's a British race car driver. Yeah, but he's jock. He jock. Oh, and then he's Lieutenant Sebastian. I don't know. Lieutenant. Like, yes. <laughs> I love lieutenants. So, yeah. I saw so, 1917 the other day, and there's a oh, lot of lieutenanting in yeah. there. <laughs> lieutenanting. So they they have him drive it through the night, and Chamondelet and Montague, they travel in the back of the van, and it drives all the way to Greenock, West Scotland. And then the canister is taken aboard the submarine HMS Seraph. You know, if if this had been done today, you know who they would have gotten to drive, right? And a- any Amazon driver. <laughs> right. Like the, it is insane how many packages they're expected to like, and they right. get notifications. You I actually spent thirty a quarter package at a time. You actually spent thirty seven seconds at that stop, and we really expect you to be more like thirty two. Well, I was bit by a dog. <laughs> well, it's coming out of your bag. We love you, Amazon. They take it to the HMS Seraph and her commander, this guy named Lieutenant Bill Jewell, him and the crew were no strangers to special operations experience. They were used to this type of stuff. So Jewell told his men that the canister had this top secret meteorological device and they needed to take it to Spain and deploy it. And you know what powered it? Element 115. It's exactly right. About uh, 50 pounds of it. (laughs) He was... The, he was shaped like a basketball. He was the only one who knew what was really up on the on the ship at that time. And finally, on April 29th, they reached Spain. Barely, they were actually they tried to bomb him twice. They they almost didn't make it, which would have been a little shorter. Wouldn't story. it be more? Wouldn't it be more like a, a torpedoing if they're a submarine? Well, I think they dropped bombs on them from the water. Or Word to like your that. moms. I came to drop bombs. 
I got more rhymes than the Bible's got Psalms, which is coming in which really is- soon. <laughs> so at, at 14 minutes past 4 a.m. on the 30th of April, the seraph surfaces off the coast of Spain. And Joel had the canister brought up on deck, and then he sent the whole crew, except for the officers, back down, and he told them what was really and happening. And here's a quote. Nothing to see here, you look, you lose. Yeah, get back down into your bunks. And you know what? Hey, you know what the you know what the officer said when he told him all about it? You son of a bitch, we're in. <laughs> they opened the canister, and when they were done puking, I like to think <laughs> they lowered the body into the water because at this time, this dude was ripe already. Oh yeah, yeah. Did you, you can actually see the actual body. You can look it up. He did not look good. No, he did no, not look no. good at all. It's funny. Uh, we did a uh, we did a, uh, an episode a while back on an Australian mystery, the Somerton Man, mm-hmm. and you can see pictures of that. And the man looks peaceful, at rest. Almost, you almost can't tell it's a dead body. Almost, uh, not that. Yeah, this guy looks like he fucked his way through hell, and then they brought him back up. <laughs> wow, what a <laughs> euphemism. <laughs> I mean, you could have just said he looked bad. <laughs> he looked decomposed. That's pretty good. I think I just made that up. I don't know if I heard it. I, you probably didn't. <laughs> Jewel read Psalm 39 as they placed the body in the water. Now, the 39th Psalm is a prayer for wisdom and forgiveness. Yep. That's kind of important. Yep. And then they ordered the engines to full astern so that it would actually wash the body towards the propellers are going to turn. It's going to push the body towards land and it will just drift in there. And the unfortunate part is he was pulled into the propellers yeah. and we just I had said a stern. I said a stern. <laughs> Shit. Acting major soup. <laughs> so it's not Ju- true. It's not true. Jewel. Then he sends the, the message to the Admiral to say mince me completed and they continue on their merry way of war. <laughs> Oh, that was a violent mincemeat. Vi- mincemeat completed. So, boom, Sardi Man, he finds it just a few hours later. Didn't take long. And uh, we, got a, we got a cadaver being poked with a stick all the way back to shore. Well, he, he put it in his boat. Now, if you remember in the beginning, though, we told you the Spanish government was neutral. They should have immediately turned it over to the British people. And that was something they were worried about. They thought, well, what if they do just go, hey, we found a body. Here you go. The, the whole plan hinged on the british betting that you know they, they were weren't fuckheads. neutral yeah. and and, that, and the the thing was the the, the government might have been but the military was not the military was certainly uh you know citing or or, or right. believing they belonged with the axis so we told you they they buried him and returned all of his stuff to to london promptly on may 11th so a couple right, of weeks go by right 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 it was and, not prompt and and by the way that that grave really is still yep. there to this day but at that time the spanish they do a quick exam they suspect nothing also remember that uh we said they needed to go through to find out if he went through stuff well that sealed orders with the eyelash when they give it back to the british guess what's missing eyelash yeah it was gone so the british and the spanish had alerted the nazis of the fake plans here's the thing this whole thousands upon thousands of lives essentially Mm -hmm. were placed on an eyelash like if you think about it there must be a part of this story i'm missing because i have to i mean you're worried about the ink washing away how eyelashes were different in the 40s oh is that it yeah (laughs) obviously you've never been to a body exhibit (laughs) for real like you're like well there's nothing in here but there is a way that they know what's happening because in june their spies and their things they see that the nazis are starting to shift their forces from sicily to these fake targets leaving sicily available for the taking come july 
the Allies invade, it only takes till mid-August, and they own Sicily. They said that the the Sicilians were happy to see him because they were making these hand gestures. You're doing this hand gesture right yeah. now, yeah. Oh, yeah, the old razzle-dazzle. <laughs> <laughs> they own it by August. The war turns not just because of this, but... This was uh, instrumental, uh, uh, in, instrumental in a lot of other things happening. Into yeah. bringing those yeah. forces, a lot of them up from Africa. Holy fucking shit, that is a lot to put on a well, dead and, body. And it's also... It's important to remember, you, we talk about the war turning. I think that sometimes we talk about the access being this binary thing of, of Japan and uh, the Nazis. But it's, it's important to remember that a big part of the access, too, was Italy. And, I mean, there were some other countries that um, swung that way. You know, a lot of uh, <laughs> Eastern European countries. Mm-hmm. Like, but Italy was a primary part of the Axis. And, you know, they don't get mentioned a lot. And so, you know, being able to take Sicily and then take that, that route through Italy was huge for the war effort. Oh, oh you forgot Dad, to mention something. I forgot something. something. Yeah, yeah. You did. I was just about ready to start wrapping up. Ten years later, to the exact day that Operation Mincemeat was approved, Remember that trout memo? Well, our trout memo author released another memo, more of a novel this time. He named it Casino Royale, starring our good friend Bond, James Bond. Ian Fleming was the author of Sir, the trout Ian Fleming to you. memo. Well, yeah. you know, I, I don't address anyone proper. That's true. That's true. You see me and you say asshole. Uh, <laughs> uh, no, Ian Fleming. So this is this is really cool. So we mentioned the trout memo before. This is the list of ways that you could trick your enemy in war. Specifically, uh, surround, you know, it came out in 1939. World War II started in 1939. Ian Fleming was a part of the, Royal, uh, of the British military. And he wrote that memo. And boy, you, boy, can't you see a lot? Can't you see James Bond like, you know, all right, we need a body. No. Captain Acting Major, I expect you to die. <laughs> yeah, he he definitely got his his chops. The he hard earned way. it. Yeah. He earned it. Yeah, yeah. Oh, and by the way, um, so you can see the ways, all the ways in which the the movie makes mistakes, and we were right. There, uh, Hollywood's producing a major motion picture right now. Yeah, with Colin Firth. I assume it's just going to be Kingsman Three. Okay. <laughs> You know, no, it's actually going to be King's the King's speech part two. Oh, the, the Kingsman speech part two. Electric. <laughs> well, that, that would be we'll put them be, all together. We'll put them all together. Yeah. <laughs> Throw them in no, the drink. Uh, it's in production now. They started filming last year and uh, I'm, I'm I'll, I'll be interested to see it. I'll be interested to see check what it out. Yeah. What liberties they take. Uh, like, like I hope see, it's uh, I hope it's straight up weekend at Bernie's where the with the fucking dude the whole time <laughs> like going back to that just like he's fucking going through shit pocket you know, what's in his pocket oh oh they're trying to get through a checkpoint and he's in the passenger seat oh <laughs> <laughs> they got like levers and 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 shit so he can move his arms the the race car driver is played by like you know Brad Pitt or something and he's like you want to go fast I'll go fast <laughs> now they just CG Benny and, and somehow somehow the stupid stupid truck is going like 90 and out running you know little sports italian sports cars they're all shit indiana jones music in the back you can even be in it you know it's the right time <laughs> they are making indy five well i mean we, we we kid but like did you see valkyrie with tom cruise no so no. based on operation valkyrie it was a some germans who didn't like the nazis and wanted to kill hitler because they thought he was bad for germany uh, Making a really yeah, they were gonna really they short. were gonna blow him up, right? Right, right. Yeah. right. 
if you read historical accounts of that versus watching the movie, yeah, they took some liberties. Yeah. So it'll be interesting to see what they do with this well, one. Insert whatever, and they take some serious liberties. Yeah, I guess know? that's true. Like, how many stories out there are exciting enough just to do them verbatim? Well. Other than ours. Okay. When they come out with Hysteria 51, the movie, <laughs> who will play you? I was going to say, who's going to play you? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, kids, that's our take. That's that's the story. We went Historia 51, but it's a weird one. Dead bodies. It is. Every story that's got dry ice in it is worth telling. It is worth telling. Yeah, uh, except for my sixth grade science experiments. But the, the cool thing about this story is how many layers there are to it. And one of the layers that we didn't even get to, or we, we only offhandedly mentioned, was who actually was acting Major William Martin. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we, we gave you the name earlier, but that, again, is not proven out 100%. It could have been Hobo Jim, King of the Bows. <laughs> <laughs> who knows? And tell you who it wasn't. It could, you know, it could have been Neville Chamberlain. It, he died months after leaving office. So he left office in like 40 or 41. I'm forgetting which that's one. That's a body that's unaccounted and, for. And uh, which <laughs> makes you want like he died of bowel cancer, um, which sounds awful. Mm-hmm. But it makes you wonder if he had it when he was leaving office. But anyway, uh, he he it, it could have been his body he could it could have been his last sacrifice true. for the union jack tell you who it wasn't john it wasn't glenn henderson because he was too busy sending us this alien bud light that is mighty tasty yeah i think i had a, i had what three of them yeah. <laughs> so you're you filled your brim for this year for this year for bud light for me yeah, yeah. That's true. so guys what do you think was this a story you've heard of it's kind of way far out there and one thing that we talked about doing that we didn't go into is this shit wasn't the only time they did stuff like this. They did crazy oh, shit. Oh yeah, the war. there's there's entire books about the stuff they did. Yeah, uh, for, with subterfuge. This and twenty espionage. committee and the counterterrorism and stuff. It was crazy. And MI five was up to some stuff. It's awesome. It's awesome. And and last but not least, British and other international listeners, and I guess some in New England, maybe. What do you think about our mincemeat pie? Did Seabot do a good job? I well, mean, I know you didn't taste it, but we described it to you. Yeah, what's it missing? What What do you put in your mincemeat that you go, mm, it really needs that? Yep, yep. I made, I made the... And, and please, make fun, because we love making fun of Seabot. Yeah, right, right. But you know what? It wasn't bad at all. So that's our thoughts. John, where can they find us in the interwebs? I it, Listen, if, if Zuckerberg hasn't taken over your life yet, go to Facebook.com and search Hysteria Nation. That is our Facebook discussion group where we talk about Operation Mincemeat, uh, Curly Whirly Bars, uh, Mincemeat Pie, and everything else We should have put a Curly abnormal. Whirly Bar or two in your Mincemeat Pie. That, that, that would have been good. It would have taken way too long to eat that thing, though. <laughs> That's true. That's true. <laughs> How else can they get a hold of us, Brent? Right. Well, you can go to Facebook.com slash Hysteria51pod. You can leave us a message on there. Patreon.com slash Hysteria51. You can go to at Hysteria51pod on Instagram. You can tweet to us at Hysteria51pod. You can also tweet to us individually. You yes. are at the Brent, the Brent Hand, Hand yes. and I am at GoFoLite1. G-O-F-O-L-I-T-E, the number one. The number one. Thank you. Yeah. Leave us a, a voicemail, 773-669-7277. Again, 773-669-7277. But if you forget any of this stuff, just go to our website, hysteria 51.com. And if you can't even remember that, find our dead body and the attache case attached to it, you'll and you'll find all this information in this there. This seems like a lot of pocket litter. <laughs> Thank God he was wearing nothing. Why the hell did Brent have 17 wet naps? Yeah. And where did he find Jinkos? <laughs> <laughs>
I had no idea they'd fit in an attache case. Yeah, who knew? Who knew? All right. And if you need, if you need a mincemeat pie recipe, you can ask Seabot. He's probably not going to share it, but uh, you can ask him. Let's just hope it wasn't a cat meat pie. Hey, Brent. Does it matter if it tastes good? I think you made a promise to the listeners that you're not holding up that you're into the bargain. Yeah, on. I was supposed to bring uh, voicemails. I didn't bring them. Yeah. Yep. All right. Next episode. Voicemails. All right. We're going to run through 117 of them. Yeah, just voicemails. It's just going to be all voicemails. It's so funny. I get emails or, or messages saying, I, I wish you guys did more voicemails. Then we do voicemails. I get emails and messages going, fuck, I hate when you do voicemails. <laughs> well, you know, the people asking are the people that have left their voicemail yeah. and haven't heard it, heard it yet. Yeah. And the from people like say, nine months ago. And the people more. that say, I wish you didn't do any more voicemails with people that already heard theirs. Yeah. So which side are you on? Fight. <laughs> Fight, fight and the vast majority are like uh neither i don't do voicemails on podcasts oh one more thing don't forget mondays kgraradio.com you can find us on there from eight to nine o'clock is that right I yeah if you're not into the whole on-demand thing and you want to you know get back into the linear radio experience <laughs> it's your terrestrial uh is uh well, not terrestrial because it's coming from the interwebs, but yeah, if that's your thing and if you're on a time crunch and you like to be told when to listen, when to listen and you can't fast forward, KGRA.com. I don't know if this what a sales pitch. I don't know. <laughs> Do you like me without the ability to shut me up? <laughs> well, I'm sorry. Lisa's taken me, but you can check us out on KGRA radio for real. It's a great station. And there are a ton of great shows on there. Ryan Sprague has a show on there. Uh, Richard Dolan has a show on there. There's so many great shows. So with that said, I've been Brent. I have been John. He's been conspiracy about stay woke meat sex. It was terrible. It was just terrible. I'll never get over it as long as I live. That's it for another edition of Hysteria 51. John and Brent will be back next week with yet more of the unexplained, the unexplored, and the unheard of. Oh, if it's unheard of, how will they know about it? Anyway, if you want to suggest a topic, give us your thoughts, or just make fun of Conspiracy Bot, that's my favourite. Join us in our Facebook discussion group, Hysteria Nation. Just log on to Facebook and search Hysteria Nation. Or you can always tweet us at Hysteria51Pod. You've been listening to a fourth-hand joint.